The first scripture I would like us to read is First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter four. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. We are reading verses three and four. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses three and four. I'm reading from New King James Version of the Bible. It says, "For this is the will of God." your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And to begin with, I just want us to pick up that first statement, which is so catchy to me, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Brethren, it is God's will that we who have come to know the Lord should be sanctified. It is God's will that those of us who have surrendered to Jesus should be clean. And so we want to begin from that root word, sanctify. What does it mean to sanctify? Uh, to sanctify means, the other words for it would be to be holy. Or you just say holiness, ascend, to, to cleanse, to purify. These are all words that have similar meaning to the word to sanctify. And in the Old Testament, it had um, a very strong meaning. And it means to be set apart from evil. That's one part of it. And to be set apart to God. And we read from Exodus chapter 13, verse number 2. Exodus chapter 13, verse 2. It says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel both of man and beast, it is mine. This is God giving some regulations or some instructions to the leadership at that time, of course, Moses and Aaron. And he was telling them to consecrate unto him the firstborn, to set apart, to make holy, the firstborn, to cleanse the firstborn. And this, he wanted them to stand as a symbol that every other thing or every other one that is born after that, because the firstborn was consecrated, was set apart, was purified, was sanctified, the rest that come after will also be sanctified. Now, this it has a lot of meaning, which uh, I don't want us to delve into that right now. So it is God's will and God's desire that we should be sanctified, that we should be made holy. Holiness is a possibility. Holiness is a command. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, God expresses his will 
Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Okay, I read again from here, Romans 8, 29. The scripture says, Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, it is God's will that we not only be saved, that we should be conformed to the image of his son, that we should become like his son. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is blameless. Though he was tempted in every way, he did not sin. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, the Bible says that leadership was given to church, a gift of men was given to church so that they should bring the church to maturity, to the full image of Christ. So it is God's will that after we are saved, we should become like his son, Jesus Christ, in every way, including our character, including how we live our life every day, including how we relate with people, including how we carry out our activities, including how we carry out our businesses, our work in the job site. Just everything we do should be able to portray Christ. So it's God's desire and God's will and God's design that we should be like his son, Jesus. And it is important that we understand the three phases of uh, sanctification because if we don't understand what it means or what the different phases of sanctification, we might, you know, confuse it with uh, perfection. Of course, um, there are three phases of sanctification. The first one is what theologians call positional sanctification, positional sanctification. The second one is progressive sanctification, progressive sanctification. And the third one is what I call perfect sanctification. And I love to put it in this way. Um, that's the way I, I had a man of God put it, um, Bishop Duncan Williams. And he put it in a very simple way. We have been saved. That's positional sanctification. We have been saved. Progressive sanctification. We shall be saved. Perfect sanctification. Now, let's begin with positional sanctification. And this is where many people limit themselves and what, we, what is known as the doctrine of eternal security is built on positional sanctification because the proponents of that particular theory or dogma may not have the knowledge of the order to... Um, phases of sanctification. Positional sanctification 
can also be called instantaneous sanctification. That is, we are made holy by virtue of accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And this follows uh, after what you uh, also taught you last, uh, last week. It follows after justification. We are justified by faith. And by that act of justifi- justification, we are equally sanctified by the blood of Jesus. We are cleansed. Our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus when we just say yes to him. At that time, we stand before God holy, not because we have done holy things, but because God or Jesus has declared us holy by his blood. And let's read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, to the church of God which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be sent, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, just the fact that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ gives you this positional sanctification or instantaneous sanctification. The moment you say yes to Jesus, God looks at you as if you have not sinned before. And you are clean before him because your sins, your offenses, all what we have done have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. We have been made right with God. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And it doesn't really matter how deep they were. It doesn't matter how bad they were. By virtue of surrendering to Christ, we have been sanctified. We have been made holy. We have been rendered saints before God. Just to mention that saint is not a political position like you might have in some circles where some people are appointed saints or voted saints or whatever they want to do it. Every child of God born again is a saint. Not because he has done right, but because his sins have been washed away by the precious blood of Jesus. And so in positional sanctification, you do absolutely nothing. Everything is done by Jesus through his blood, which cleanses you, which cleanses me from all my sins, making me stand before God clean, holy, and acceptable unto God. And if we look into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we take verse um, 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, Paul was making a discussion 
It says some of you were idolaters. He was talking to the church. Some of you were idolaters. Some were adulterers. Some were fornicators. Some were, you know, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, drunkards, covetous, revelers, uh, revelers or extortioners and all of that. So Paul began to talk about their past. He says some of you were like this, but you were sanctified. You were washed. You were justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And this happens completely on the account of God. By the virtue of someone surrendering his life, her life to Jesus, you are rendered clean. So if I were a thief before, by reason of my surrendering to Christ, I've been rendered clean. I've been sanctified. My sins have been washed away. And I appear before God as a saint, not because of my works, but because of what Jesus has done. So this is the first part of sanctification. It's important that we understand it, and then we shall move to the next uh, part. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. All those who are sanctified. And they are sanctified by what? The word of his grace. We are sanctified, positionally speaking, by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus so you need to know your position in Christ as a child of God. And this is very, very important. Sometimes some people believe and they still carry the guilt of the sins they have confessed. If you have confessed your sins and you have repented of those sins, there is no reason for you to carry those guilt any longer. Because by virtue of your position in Christ, you are cleansed, you are washed, you have been sanctified, and you stand holy before God. And once you know that, you will know how to relate to yourself. You know how to, you know, to, to handle yourself. You are a saint because you have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. So when you look at yourself and you understand that you are a saint by virtue of the fact that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, then that will determine how you can live a victorious Christian life. You don't have to continue living under the weight of the sins you have confessed. You don't have to continue living under the guilt of the sins you have confessed because Christ has forgiven you and your sins have been forgiven indeed. In uh, Joshua, I think Joshua chapter 5, if I'm not mistaken, 5 verse 17. Let me just try to say that. Joshua Jeremiah. The scripture says their sins and their and their, their sins and their trespasses, something like that, I'll remember no more. Now in that scripture, God promises to keep away the past, all what we have done, all what we have done as when we were in the world. It doesn't how dark they were. By virtue of coming to Christ, 
Those sins have been forgiven. We have been washed clean, and we are new persons. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, says, If anyone be in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. The question is, are you in Christ? Are you genuinely born again? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Have you confessed your sins and repented of them? Then you are a new creature. Then you have instantaneous sanctification. If just remember the two thieves on the cross. One of them mocked at Jesus and said, You told us you were the Messiah. Save yourself and save us. And the other one said, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And what was Jesus' response? Today, you shall be with me in paradise. It was instantaneous. That man was forgiven, justified, sanctified, and made ready for heaven. Because he just acknowledged the lordship of Jesus Christ, the one who is able to save from sin. And by that simple act of faith and surrender, he was qualified to meet God and to be with Jesus in paradise. So let's move to the second phase of sanctification. I remember I said most people limit themselves in this first phase. And it's on this first phase that some people build the doctrine of eternal security. And they say, okay, I've been sanctified, I've been purified, I am holy, so I can live my life. I can live the way I want. I can do the things I want. I am no longer under the law. I am under grace, so I can live my life and do the things I want, because once saved, always saved. And that is a great deception from the pit of hell. Let's move to progressive sanctification. Now, progressive sanctification talks about you or me acting out the sanctification that I already have. This is very important to understand. I am sanctified by the blood of Jesus. I've been cleansed. Positional sanctification. But now I have to act out the sanctification which I already have. And to have a good understanding of that, let's uh, get some few scriptures. Maybe open with me first to John, first John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 7. First John chapter 3, verse 7. It reads, Little children, let not your heart, let no one, sorry, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Let me read that to us again. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Now let me continue to verse 8 and 9. It says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. 
For this purpose, the Son of God has, was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, in progressive sanctification, I take responsibility of my actions. I take responsibility of my lifestyle. I take responsibility of my character. Yes, I have been made righteous positionally by Jesus Christ single-handedly, but I have to do right. I have to live right. I have to live the kind of life that will act out the sanctification that has been realized in my spirit by the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. So in positional, in progressive sanctification, I practice righteousness. I have been made right positionally. Now I have to practice righteousness. And I practice righteousness by living right, by having the right character. For the Bible says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. So let us put it the other way. And I continue to say, he who sins is of the devil. So in progressive righteousness or progressive sanctification, so to say, I need to consciously make a decision to live a righteous life. Now, people get confused and they say, oh, so we are not going to practice the law. True, what Jesus says in John chapter, I think chapter 5 or 17, no, John chapter, let me get it. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Just one moment, please. John. Pastor, if you get this, have the scripture on your mind quickly, you can just help me so we can save some time. John chapter 15. Okay. Sorry, I'm trying to get it, and it's it's not. I'm not getting straight to it. So let's let's just move on. But the scripture says Jesus was making a statement to the disciples. He says, "Without him, I jump to the feet." Oh yeah. All right. I think I've gotten it. All right. John chapter five, fifteen, verse five. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. So when we talk about progressive um, sanctification, it's not just about you struggling in your own strength, in your own power, in your own ability to fulfill the law of Christ or to, you know, present yourself right before God. But we have to take responsibility. You know, there's this 
believe people feel that the Holy Spirit controls us without our will. No. If we don't determine to live righteously, then the Holy Spirit cannot help us. If we don't determine to abandon sin, to turn our backs to sin, to do the things that are right, the Holy Spirit cannot help us. So the progressive sanctification is the process of breaking sin's dominion over you, trying to control your own desires, trying to control your own cravings. Your body would begin to tell you one thing, but you know because that thing is not right for you to do, you choose to tell your body what to respond to and not just to its cravings. So I don't just allow myself like a robot and expect the Holy Spirit in some way to control me and stop me from doing the things that I desire to do. I need to take control over my own desires. So many years ago, I think just around the year 2000, I had a young girl I was following up and she came to me one day, so, you know, we're discussing. And what just happened to make this long story short, she had gone back to sin. And I was discussing with her, and I said, hey, you, needed, you didn't need to do that. You are born again, and you're supposed to make a decision to keep away from those things. So she told me, but why didn't God stop me from going there? And I was embarrassed by the question. And I had to ask her, well, how did you expect God to stop you? By tying your legs? Or by causing an accident on the way? In which way did you want God to do it? You choose to do what you did. And I'm sure that the Holy Spirit was talking to you the moment you decided to take the wrong decision and you decided to still go. So in this phase of progressive uh, sanctification, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to help us live out the righteousness or the sanctification which is in our spirit by this perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Let's read First John chapter 2, verse 29. It might help us in this regard. First John chapter 2, verse 29. 1 John 2.29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. If you know that God is righteous, then everyone who practices righteousness, if you know that Christ is righteous, then everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And I like that word practices. Practice means a conscious action which is repeated over and over. So, as children of God in progressive sanctification, we have to stay righteous, we have to stay holy, we have to stay cleansed, we have to stay washed, and we stay washed by practicing righteousness, consciously doing the will of God, consciously doing the things that please God, consciously keeping away from things that don't please God, consciously turning our backs on those things that don't give glory to our God. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, 
First John chapter 3, verse 10. And I like this scripture. First John chapter 3, verse 10. It said, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So simply put, this is how you can differentiate between the children of God and the children of the devil. And how do we differentiate? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. So whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. It may be the pastor, it may be the elder, it might be the brother, it might be the, the music minister, it might be the worship leader, it might be whoever. As long as you do not practice righteousness, you are not of God. So in this phase of progressive uh, sanctification, we are expected to consciously live a righteous life. And after being born again, the rest of your life you live on earth here till when the rapture happens, you are still in progressive sanctification. Because every day you shall get new revelation or new insight of the truth of God's word and it might demand that you stop this or you do that and every time you might see reason to continually work on yourself and getting better by the day. Let's take the last uh, phase, which is perfect sanctification. And perfect sanctification means being separated from the presence of sin through rapture or death. As long as we are in this life, we are in the presence of sin, and we can only have perfect sanctification, or what you might want to call perfection, when we shall leave the presence of sin when we shall leave this world, either through rapture or through death. At that moment, we attain perfect sanctification. And that's why Paul said at one point that we are trapped in this earthly vessel. We are trapped in this earthly vessel. As long as we are in this flesh, we'll have something to be working on. We'll have something to be dealing with. We will progressively be working on our character, progressively be working on our righteousness. And every day we live our lives to please God. And each time we find something not going right with our life, with our character, we work on those things and we move on with our God. But when perfect sanctification comes, that's when we leave this very presence of sin. We leave the world. And you can only leave that through or leave the world through rapture or through death. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27 says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, which, or with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Glory. This is the final sanctification, which is the perfect sanctification, where Christ will present us to himself a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without sin, without any such thing, without any blemish. We stand before God perfect, and that can only happen when rapture happens. Not now. 
not while you are in this life. So we cannot be thinking of perfect sanctification right now, but we are in progressive sanctification, and we can only attain perfect sanctification when we shall leave the presence of sin. And in Jude 24, 25, Jude 24, 25, remember Jude is just one chapter, Jude 24, 25, um, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to prevent you or present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. It is only at this last phase, uh, with the second coming of Jesus, that he can present us faultless. As long as we are in this life, we will be having some issues to deal with, but we need to move on with God every time we have a revelation of something that is lacking in our life, lacking in our Christian work, and we deal with it. Quickly, how to break the power of sin. Since we're talking about living a righteous life, living a sanctified life, how do you break the power of sin? Number one, you have to cooperate with God, with the Holy Spirit. You have to cooperate with God. You have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to help you. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, I'll be ending in a few moments. In Romans uh, chapter 8, let me just read that out, or let me paraphrase it. The Bible says that it's God who gives us both the power to will and to do his will. So when we cooperate with God, we allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us. We listen to the voice and the prompting and the probing of the Holy Spirit. Then he will help us to live a righteous life. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Paul says, we should walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. So as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, as we cooperate with God, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us the grace, the power, the ability to decide to do his will and the ability to do his will. So we have to cooperate with him. The next thing we have to do is make a conscious effort to live holy. Job says that he makes a decision with his eyes. He makes a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Now, that's a decision. He decided not to allow his eyes to stray. He decided not to just look at just anything because he understood that just allowing his eyes to look just at anything will lead him into sin. So he made a conscious effort. If I know that this place I am going or this thing I am doing will land me into sin, then I have to do something about it. I have to make a conscious decision to stop it, and I stop it. But if you don't make any conscious decision to live a righteous life, then righteousness will be very far from you. The third thing 
you live by faith. For you to, you know, uh, have power over sin, you have to live by faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, for we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. Child of God, if you want to live a victorious Christian life, don't look at the things that are happening around you. In as much as we are in the world, we are not of the world. The reasons why many Christians run into temptations, they run into wrong things, is because they are living by sight, by the things they see. They do the things they see the people of the world do. And because we follow the people of the world doing the things they do, we put ourselves into untold pain. We trap ourselves into sin, and it becomes difficult for us to break free from sin. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Hebrews, uh, 12, Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, I like the verses 1 and 2, let's just pick them together. Therefore, we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance and race that is set before us. Verse 2, important, looking unto Jesus. Get focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who, or who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't look at the people who are running ahead of you. Look up to Jesus. The person who is running faster doesn't mean the person will arrive before you. And if you live a life of faith, your life will focus on God, it will focus on the Word of God, it will focus on the ways of God, it will focus on the timing of God. Many of us go into sin because we are comparing ourselves with other people around us. No two people have the same destiny. No two people have the same matrix by God before them. You have your life. Live your life which God has set before you and your blessings will come at your time. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone would want to follow me, let him deny himself, carry his cross, and follow me. Be willing to go through suffering. Be willing to go through moments of difficulties. Be willing to go through battles and the storms and the fires of life. life does, everything in life doesn't come easily. And as a child of God, the Christian race is not a bed of roses. So you get determined to go through the deep waters and the rough waters. Get ready to go through the fires of life. When you have that disposition, you will not easily be tempted to take the short course. You will not be easily tempted to do the wrong thing to get there quickly. Because many of us are doing, going to, trying to take the short course and we put ourselves in trouble. Next thing, grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. You cannot live righteously if you don't have a deep knowledge of God's Word. Don't just depend on what is preached in church on Sunday. Don't just depend on what you watch on TV. Take a conscious decision to attend Bible studies and to make a personal time to study God's Word, to have knowledge and power. Because when you know God's Word, you are equipped to face the enemy. And finally, persevere in prayers. Second 
Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, we should pray without ceasing. If you want to live a righteous life, then you need to continually breathe spiritually and overcome the weaknesses of the flesh through prayers, through exercising yourself with the word of God, through making conscious decisions to stay away from sin, through collaborating with the Holy Spirit, and through uh, leading by faith. So we have gone through the three phases of sanctification, positional, have been made right. Progressive, I have to live right. And perfect sanctification, I will be taken away from the presence of sin. Thank you so much. In the next few minutes remaining, I think uh, Pastor can open up the, the, the lines for, for questions. And I think uh, you will join me in answering the questions. Whatever question you have on this, please, you may ask so that we can attempt an answer. God bless you.